eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of BXB, Bronx Baseball, the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN, along with my co-host, Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy, and we are joined by a very special guest. You know him as number 51, Bernie Williams. Bernie, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing great, man. About three and a half weeks removed from uh, total knee replacement surgery. Wow. How's that working out for you? Woo, baby. It, it's been a struggle, but it's, it's good, man. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, joined the ranks of people that uh, told me I wish I could have done it earlier. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, it has been uh, quite an ordeal. Uh, Big, aggressive uh, surgery, you know, removing, you know, part of your body, you know, inserting something else and uh, get you walking and uh, trying to get, uh, you know, your need to, uh, to to start working again and uh, get some normalcy uh, has been a, a big challenge. But, uh, man, I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, you know, the rest of my life with this new knee. So uh, it's going to allow me to do a whole bunch of things, you know, hopefully the softball game. This year is going to be a lot better. I'll be able to run. Actually, you got to. You're going to have to. Like, Keith, are going to have to race next time, maybe. That's all, man. <laughs> yeah, he was giving Mariano a run for his money, though. <laughs> you He's said still young, Bernie. That's the problem. You said you said you got the knee surgery and you're going to be back better than ever. I said better than ever. I'm thinking back to the '90s, 2000s. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> that's all wishful thinking right now. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah, a man. Memory. That's it, man. That's uh, but listen, the 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 softball game that Keith played in, I haven't gotten to yet. Scheduling has been an issue, but you guys have it every year in Ridgefield. It's all for all your all your work you're doing off the field now with IPF, uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, uh, the disease that unfortunately took your dad over 20 years ago now. And I know you've devoted a lot of time and energy to to just pushing out the awareness and using your yeah. music to kind of help do that. Your latest effort, which across the screen for those of you who are watching the video feed, is it's uh, tune into lunghealth.com. What can you tell us about it, Bernie? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for mentioning that. Tune in, tune into lung health. It's kind of like the latest reiteration of this effort that we have been uh, uh, 
uh, sort of partnering with uh, uh, their ringer Engelheim over the last, wow, man, of the five, six years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an effort geared towards, you know, educate people and raise awareness about interstitial lung disease, uh, which uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis is one of those. You got about about 200 of these types of diseases, this uh, uh, pulmonary diseases that are in this umbrella, and they're called in- interstitial lung diseases. Uh, and uh, tuning to lung health is uh, basically geared towards uh, educating people about these type of diseases and, uh, uh, you know, let, letting people know, uh, you know, that there's resources out there uh, to improve the quality of the life of the patients uh, and, uh, you know, ultimately uh, using uh, all of that and music as, as a resource to uh, help people dealing with the anxiety and uh, 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 all the, uh, uh, you know, things that come with uh, the burden of uh, carrying, you know, you know, carrying the burden of uh, these diseases, uh, you know, the people that uh, are suffering them from them, the people that are taking care of the patients, you know, uh, it's a, a, a big effort. And, uh, you know, doing it in uh, as a tribute to my father that uh, died from uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, as you said, in 2001, uh, it's one of the things that I do every year. And I'm really proud of that. Yeah, it's fantastic work you, you've done for a long time. You're tying the music into it now, and the music is th- as part of therapy. As I mean, it's kind of a natural thing for you to kind of use that platform, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, music has been a really important part of my life. I mean, since I was a little kid, you know, I went to a performing in arts high school, and uh, I was able to utilize music in my in my life as a resource, you know, to, you know, release stress. You know, everybody that knew me in the clubhouse, they knew that I had a guitar there. Uh, and I was always playing music. You know, everybody that uh, kind of came into the clubhouse, I had a couple of celebrities coming in, rock stars, you know, Bruce Springsteen, the Bon Jovi, you know, people like that coming in. Sir uh, Paul McCartney one time, uh, you know, they, they knew that I was a musician and uh, it was just a great treat to uh, kind of like incorporate that part of my life into, you know, my life in sports. Uh, and, uh, you know, before I forget, I always uh, wanted to give the, also the information to attending uh, to lung health dot com which is the you know the website that people should uh you know go into uh try to get uh you know educated and uh know a little bit more about these uh diseases so thank you so much for uh, letting me mention that tune into longhealth.com keith don't let him fool you he didn't have any stress this guy was asleep half an hour before facing pedro martinez (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was easy that's right man walk in the park that's that's the official story the unofficial story is that i was meditating (laughs) <laughs> trying to get into my zen, you know. Uh, but uh, whatever it is that I did, you know, it kind of worked. So, you know, why try to fix, you know, something that I wasn't broken? So, But I, I did have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a, a slight backlash because they were you know, seeing that uh, maybe this guy might not be ready to play these games, but I was just preparing mentally, you know, in my, in my own mind, in my own uh, way to try to play these really important games in my career. So it did work, though. I'm usually, Keith's usually sleeping before the show. So, I mean, we, we, we keep the same routine. Well, I'll be on air till 2 a.m. And then we'll do the podcast at 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that, yeah, that's a different story, man. You just got to get some, uh, you got to get some, some, some caffeine on you. That's right. That's right. I do. I have plenty of energy drinks and green tea and, and all of that. And I'm running off of six hours of sleep most days. So it's fine. Ooh, it's fine. Man. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Bernie, you, you just sure you get your rest, man. You just mentioned something that made me think of two things. Um, one, like the the clubhouse and being prepared and uh, being ready to compete. And two, you know, when I came out there for the softball game, I was like nervous. I was gonna suck. I thought I wasn't gonna be any good. I'm out there with you and Mariano and Jeff Nelson and Jake Peavy. But uh, something that I took from that game, and I've shared this on air, Mariano, yourself, you guys addressed the team, and you basically said, like, we're trying to win. We're not out here to lose. And we went down in that game, but we came back, and we, we never looked back after, after that. But I, I've told people on air, it doesn't matter if it's the World Series or if it's a softball game for charity in Connecticut. Bernie and Mariano, those guys are locked in. They're competing. They're ready to win. So can you speak about that competitive nature, what it was like in the clubhouse back then with Mo and Jeter and those guys and how that's just a way of life. That's just a way of competing. That's just a, a way of approaching the game. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're right. Uh, uh, you know, it, it was just a, a, an attitude that we had in the clubhouse that sort of you know, sort of trickle into every aspect of our lives. You know, it's like, you know, being uh, able to be in a position where you're in a, in a competitive situation, you play to win, you know. <laughs> it's like Herm Edwards, man. You play to win the game. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't matter. Uh, so it, it is an interesting thing because uh, uh, sometimes we, we tend to qualify, you know, how important these games are. Is it a regular season game? Is it a spring training game? Is it a softball game? Is, is, is it darts? Is it a pool? Is it, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, but I think having a, a winning attitude and an attitude that, that uh, uh, allows us to compete to the best of our abilities and not take anything for granted is something that we uh, as a team took, you know, to heart. Uh, and it didn't matter what kind of game it was and how much money these guys were making, that was just a byproduct. Uh, the main thing was to play the game and to be as good as you could be at that particular day in that particular game, uh, and uh, just to take it a day at a time. And I think that uh, a lot of that attitude, you know, was, you know, probably from the front office all the way down. You know, Mr. Steinbrenner, obviously, a very demanding owner. He invested a lot in the team, but he wanted his, his return, obviously. Joe Torre was kind of like the common presence, but that whole attitude still was there. You know, you're winning. Uh, we we're winning. We're uh, we're building a, a winning attitude uh, team, and it came from uh, Joe Torre, the coaches, even the clubhouse guys. You know, they wanted to be the best. You know, so it it, it was what it was one thing that was very pervasive through the whole organization. And uh, now here, you know, I see it happening. I have a great opportunity, a, a, a great blessing to, uh, the Yankees had allowed me to uh, do my physical therapy from this knee surgery down in the minor league complex, uh, oh, which yeah. is something that is very rare. They don't really do it a lot, but I figured I, I had some sweat equity <laughs> that I haven't invested. So <laughs> I'm sure. they, they allowed me to, you know, the privilege to go out there and uh, and uh, work with them. And I, it, it is an inspiring thing. You know, I wish I was still playing, you know. And, and, but I see that same attitude in the minor leaguers and the people that are coming in from rehab. It's something that kind of go, trickles from the top 
all the way down to the bottom. And uh, I think it's one of the things that have made uh, has made this organization the organization that that it has been, you know, for almost a century plus years. Bernie, what kind of looks are you getting around the minor league complex from people? They, like, are you are you going there in full uni so they remember who you are? <laughs> What's happening there? No, man. I, I think some of the people are, you know, they, they kind of introduce themselves, you know, and you get a little talk here and there. And it's not the Bernie there. <laughs> So, but all in all, man, you, you get treated like royalty there. You know, once you know that you're part of this, you know, great run that the team has had and being part of a uh, World Series championship team, uh, I get my picture out there, you know, trickling yeah. some of these, you know, my numbers retired there. They have a little bit of a Hall of Fame there with, uh, you know, with Derek and, and uh, Pettit and Mariano and Jorge and all those guys, you know, and to go all the way back, you know, to Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio. They have this wall of people. Uh, you know, sprinkle in places to remind the players, hey, man, these are the guys and you are part of this, you know, fraternity of uh, you're playing for something bigger than yourself and you're just keeping the, you know, the, the wheels going on, on something that has been going on for more than 100 years ago. So you feel privileged and honored to be part of this organization and, and work hard to, to be a, a part of it in the big leagues and be, a, uh, you know, have a chance to win some championships for, the, for this organization. So uh, they, they, have a, they have a pretty, uh, pretty nice uh, well-oiled machine down there. Keith, the competitiveness that you're talking about, I saw this. I'll never forget this. My first year in 2001, for about a week straight on a road trip, I watched Derek Jeter and Tino Martinez play Connect Four, you know, the board game with the checkers. Yeah. I watched them play. Kids I don't remember this, Bernie. They brought in an entire West Coast road trip, and they spent about an hour every day before BP playing Connect Four and the competitive battles just playing a kid's game. That's where it clicked for me. It clicked for you watching it on the softball field. It clicked for me watching them just play a kid's game. Man, they didn't they didn't want to lose to the other guy. They didn't want to lose at all. Bernie, like I mean, you saw it. It's whatever you competed in, it was to win. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think, you know, it's a great uh thing to have, a great mind frame to have. Uh, because I mean you spend so much time and effort, you know, trying to be the best player that you can be. You know, and uh, to have an opportunity to belong to an organization that really values that and puts a lot of stake into that, trying to assemble the best team that they could possibly assemble and then have that return in, the, in their investment uh, is a personal investment, is an emotional investment. Obviously, it's a, it's a material investment, too, with the money and all that. But I think you get in uh, into, a, a, you know, a sense that, you know, I belong to something that is bigger than myself and I am contributing to this and as part of something that that will was there way before I was there and will still be going, you know, after I'm gone. And I uh, see it, you know, going from uh, a player to a guy that used to go there for rehab and now an ex-player from the outside in seeing the same attitude, you know, kind of repeating itself. And uh, now in hindsight, looking, you know, uh, how that was very influential in my uh, formative years as a baseball player and I uh, just kind of define you know the the way that we uh, sort of went about our business on a, on a daily basis okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie, um, you're my favorite player. And when I got into baseball, somebody asked me the other night, they're like, who was the first player and first team in sports that you, you know, fell in love with? I'm like, the Yankees winning World Series and then uh, seeing a darker skinned guy in center field. I wanted to be a center fielder when I started playing baseball. So to see um, to see you back around the organization, whether it's old timers day, some of the speaking arrangements that you've done at the stadium, you know, you just told us that you are in Tampa rehabbing. I love that. I feel like that is important. And there's conversation between the fans about, hey, where are some of these guys that we grew up watching? They need to be around the team to restore the Yankee way. You know, while the Yankees were struggling this summer, a lot of fans were saying, where are those guys at? They need to teach them like, you know, you're wearing the pinstripe. So um, my question for you is, how has your relationship been with the organization? Uh, I know we had Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame night, and that was like the first time Jeter had been back. And then he also came back for the captain screening. And then there's, you know, talk around Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly is another guy. Donnie Baseball is another fan favorite that fans want back in the organization. He just signed with Toronto. So two-part question. I know it's long-winded. How is your relationship with the Yankees and the organization and coming back? It seems pretty good. And then what do you feel about Jeter and Donnie and, you know, their relationship and them coming back uh, to the Yankees organization? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think, you know, it's, I can probably approach it in, in many different ways. But the way that I will approach it is, is by saying this. Uh, uh, my relationship with the team itself, with the organization right now, is a lot better than it was maybe about two or three years before I retired. <laughs> <laughs> before? Uh, before I stopped before. playing. Because... Uh, it, it is always uh, something that I kind of consider to be inevitable, which is the breakup. Once you start sort of feeling that the end is coming near, there is this this sort of tug of war between, you know, the team having faith in you that you can still do the job or maybe that lack of faith, you know, that kind of gets a little bit in your head and you feeling frustrated because you kind of want to keep going. And there's always this... Uh, sort of uh, controversial kind of breakup us, you know, for lack of a better expression that you have to deal with, you know, once you get through that process and then you start being that start, you know, kind of assimilating more of a normal uh, kind of lifestyle, then you start looking in hindsight, you know, about what you did and uh, all the things that you have accomplished within the organization. And then you come to terms and you come to have peace with your career. And that's when you're allowed yourself to say, Hey, you know what? Maybe I can give back. I can give back. I have an opportunity to do a lot of the things that I never had an opportunity to do while I was playing baseball. I mean, you're talking about a person that for more than 20 years never knew what it was to go out to the beach <laughs> in the summer, you know, to, to have this opportunity to spend, you know, a really significant time with my kids, you know, with my family and, and uh, doing the things that I, you know, kind of like 
grew up doing when I was a kid that never really had an opportunity to do as a professional player. I think you you still have need to have an opportunity to do those things and say, hey, you know what it is to you know have a weekend where I say, hey, you know what, I don't have to wake up, you know, and feel you know feeling that I have to face Pedro or Roger Clemens or somebody like that. Once you get through that process. And, and and play, you know, whatever it is that you play in your mind to kind of like get through that. You say, hey, you know what? You know, these these people still need some help. <laughs> and I still need to feel part of an organization. And I still feel that I can give back. And that's when you start feeling that you can reach out and say, hey, whether well, is motivational speaking talking to corporations, you know, talking to sponsors, talking to the young guys, you know, really talking about your experience and how could that help them in their journey into this, you know, then you feel uh, rewarded. You feel like you know, it's a lot better to give than to receive and that you start getting into this attitude that, yeah, maybe I'm in a position now that I can help this organization be a little bit better. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, everybody that has gone through uh, has gotten through my process of retiring, coming to terms with their career, knowing and, and saying, hey, I'm in peace with it. You know, I, I know that I could have done more, but I am happy with what I did. And now I can move on to do cer certain other things. Uh, then you come back and say, hey, it is great. You know, be a part of something, uh, you know, leaving the door open uh, and having the honor and the privilege to have the organization reach out to you and say, hey, maybe you can help us do this. You can help us do that. Uh, and leaving the door open as you, you know, exit from your career to still leave the door open for those opportunities to happen is, is a great blessing. So I, I figure that, you know, Don, they have their own journey with the Yankees. They're at the, they, have, they have their own journey with the organization. And whatever terms they kind of finish with, you know, they have to come to terms with that and then after that then they're in a they're in a position to say hey maybe i can come back maybe i can help maybe i can do things with the organization because let's face it once a yankee and once you know you had a career you know the top career that i had the type of career that derek had or maybe don Mattingly had you know you're always going to be revered and remembered as a yankee so it's always you know it it, it kind of fits the bill that you're you always feel like you can come back and help the organization in one way or another. So I think, you know, it, it comes in different ways and it comes at different times in people's lives. But I think you always gravitate to, to that part uh, because it's, it's, it's great. It's really rewarding, you know, having the opportunity to talk to young people and be part of an organization that really gave you so much, you know, giving the opportunity to be the player that I was and uh, to enjoy the career that I had as a baseball player. So it's it's a win-win it's for everybody. Bernie, it's a good transition when you talk about the idea of your personal experiences, because I don't think enough people recognize or remember that there are a lot of parallels between where Aaron Judge is right now and where you were after the 1998 season. You had just finished the best season of your career, right? You won the batting title, won a World Series again, uh, won a gold glove. Um, you were 30 years old and you were a free agent. And... You know, I, I think a lot of people do remember, but I think there's enough people who just don't remember what actually entailed. You were gone. You were a Boston Red Sox. You were out, and the Yankees were moving on. They were going to Albert Bell, and 
it didn't, you know, we forget some of that because you came back, you signed an eight year contract, took you through age 38, which is probably about the area where Aaron judge is, you know, looking to get signed through. Um, what's the process like uh, from your standpoint, from your family standpoint, listen, the money is the money and we all know that, but there's an idea of playing in this place versus playing in that place and taking your family here or taking your family there. And what personally you feel making this decision about leaving the only organization you've ever known, can you shed a little bit of light from your personal experiences on what Aaron Judge might be going through right now? Well, yeah, from my own experience, I think that it's a, it's a really complicated process. It's a complicated process mentally, and it's a complicated process emotionally because, uh, you know, in my case, the Yankees was the only organization that I knew. I grew up with them. I was a minor leaguer with them. I signed with them, and I spent five and a half years with them before I became a major league baseball player. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously they gave me the opportunity, and I had to go through my own struggles to establish myself. Uh, you know, you call it, uh, you know, a little bit of fortune, a little bit of luck, a little bit of hard work, a little bit of being in the right place at the right time having the right people advocating for me in certain circumstances. All of those things allowed me to remain as a Yankee uh, up until the point that I became a free agent. But you have to realize that, you know, you're spending whatever it is the time that you spend in the minor leagues, you have no, uh, really no leverage at all. Right. You have a, a certain amount of time in the big leagues that you have absolutely no leverage or have a little bit more leverage, but not really the leverage that you should have as a, as a free agent. <clears throat> and if you see any other organization, any other company, you know, you go from like Microsoft to Google to Apple to whatever, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no qualms. <laughs> you know, you go to the organization and you go to the company that gives you the best opportunity to have a better career, a better future for yourself and your family, and you can allow yourself to retire and with the best uh, possibilities. And uh, in sports, it's a little bit different because you you create this rapport with the fans, and 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 as as long as you know that you're important in the organization, that you have some value, there's always this side of you that wants to go out there and see what's out there for you to see, to give you that opportunity, give yourself an opportunity to see if there's anything out there better because you have earned that opportunity. You have one chance, realistically. You, and you have one chance. Uh, as, you know, as I think, you know, maybe Aaron may have at this point, you know, at 30, this is basically the best deal that you're going to get, the longest amount of time that you're going to get in a contract and the best, you know, uh, long-term uh, 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 situation that you're going to get yourself into. So you want to make sure that it is the best and not necessarily uh, regarding the money because the money is just one part of the thing. It's your playing, how comfortable you are with the organization, how comfortable you are with the city. You know, if you have family, you know, in my case, I had a family, I had kids. They all have already had their friends, their school already set up. You know, I have, you know, my wife at the time and everybody was kind of like set in a place. And for me to move that whole operation from one place to another and starting from scratch, I mean, that was it was going to be a big ordeal. 
Can I stop you there for a second? Because that's an important point that I don't think enough people really understand. Like, I mean, you're a real person like the rest of us. You talked about your kids and, and their friends and where they're going to school and what your wife thinks. How much, you know, you were a free agent for approximately a month before you signed. It was like right before Thanksgiving, uh, which felt like a, a long time then. Now it's just part of the process. But how much of that time is spent in the internal struggle with your family and wondering if you're making the right move for them. Yeah, it's, it, it was, it, it was a struggle. It was a struggle because uh, in, in the back of your mind, you have, you, you, you're looking after your best interests and the best interests of your family. At the same time, you, you're a little bit hurt because you're going through a situation that in your mind shouldn't even happen in the first place if they really wanted you. But you learn not to take that in a personal way and saying this is just the business part of the game that you have to deal with. And they're looking after their best interest too. They're trying to get you as cheap as they can. So you got to make your move and you try to, you know, make sure that you are putting yourself in the best situation that you could be successful. But there are so many variables that come into play, you know, coming into a city that you don't know. Every time you come into a city that you do not know and the people don't know you, you're always going to try your hardest to try to, to, you know, make sure that they know that they make the right decision. And you're going to try hard and you're going to try maybe too hard, you know, and it's going to be a period of adjustment that you don't have to go through in the organization that you are with. You know, you don't have to go through that process. So there's this talk of war between, you know, do they want me enough you know, to sign me? Am I happy where I am? Is the grass going to be greener on the other side? Is there amount of money that they're offering me? It's not going to be able to offset, you know, the, the ordeal that I'm going to go with, you know, with my family and removing and doing all this other stuff. And you have to put all of that in, in, in consideration uh, to make your decision. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what the Aaron is going through right now. And, and it's hard because, you know, those decisions that you make, they're going to affect, you know, the way that you're going to be, you know, compensated for the rest of your career. It's just kind of like one thing kind of goes on top of the other and builds on that block. If you, you know, have a, a, a make a bad deal, that's going to carry you through, you know, through the next deal that you make. And when you're talking about five, six, seven, eight years, you know, that's, you know, that, that's a life changing thing. So I'm pretty sure that with the year that Aaron had, uh, he is going to be he's going to be well compensated everywhere he goes. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a matter of, first of all, having an opportunity to be happy where he's at. No matter no doesn't matter how much money he's making, he has to be happy. And two, I think what I think it will be probably in his mind also, he has to be in a team that will give him an opportunity to to be a champion, to have that ring. You know, it maybe may not matter the first couple of years of the contract, but as he get as he gets older, he's going to be into place. You know, when he's kind of you know right at, at the twilight of his career, and he's saying, "Oh, I don't have a ring yet." You know, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. So th- he's going to have to put that in consideration as, as well. And I mean, uh, if I have to be a betting man, I mean, the Yankees probably will give him an opportunity to be a year in and year out on an organization that will give him the best chance to have that ring you know, at some point during the course of his career. So he has to put that in, take that in consideration as well. To me, I think it just comes down to money with Judge. I, I feel confident. I, I feel like, you know, the, the Yankees are not going to be outbid. If they go back and forth with the Giants, so be it. But I feel like it's a two-team race. 
I, I can't see him as a giant, just like I could not see you as a Boston Red Sox. Like that would that would change history completely, and it would change history for Judge. So, um, more than money is the cachet and the legacy and being a Yankee your whole career, right? You can speak to to that. You you understand I mean, I, what that is. I give you the best example that I could ever have, which is, I mean, I really don't know a lot of the details, but I know enough to comment on on uh, the case with uh, Robinson, Robinson Cano. Mm-hmm. When he left the Yankees to play with the, Mar- with the Seattle Mariners, I think he left because I think he was probably a little hurt that he had to go through this business aspect of the game uh, with the team that, you know, he thought that put him in in high regard that there were, he was going to get paid and he was not going to have a lot of uh, trouble, you know, getting what he wanted. But once he didn't, you know, he felt like he was a little bit, you know, hurt by the organization. He left and he went to Seattle uh, to play with them for, you know, obviously a lot more money than the uh, money that the Yankees were offering him. But I, 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 you know, it's my very personal and humble opinion that Robinson's career would have been, a, it would have had a different turn if he had remained a Yankee. And I mean, maybe I, I'm wrong. Uh, maybe in hindsight, everybody's, you know, is, is, a, is a great quarterback. But uh, I say that, you know, I decided to stay and my career, you know, couldn't have been any better. You know, after I won in 98, we won back in 99, we won back in 2000. And then we were in the series two other years, you know, 2001 and 2003, had the opportunity to be noticed and to be in a team that was relevant. I know those years, to me, it was more important uh, than, than getting, you know, getting uh, better paid. Uh, but that's a, that's a very, very uh, individual decision that every player has to make on their own. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, looking at these two cases, you know, how their careers and my career developed. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, Robinson would probably would have an opportunity to be the best second baseman in the history of the Yankee organization. And he might have remained a Yankee. And I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to create any controversy here, but I think that I'm speaking from the heart and I'm saying that, you know, uh, Aaron may probably have an opportunity to be in that pantheon of players that you say, hey, you talk about Mantle, you talk about DiMaggio, you talk about Derek Jeter, you talk about Mariano. Aaron could be in that in that plateau as well, uh, being, you know, part of this great organization. Uh, and uh, maybe in hindsight, maybe it doesn't matter now because he's young and he feels like, you know, he can probably do a lot of things with his career. But I think in hindsight, in my particular, uh, uh, you know, opinion, that was the best decision that I ever made. You know, remaining a Yankee and having an opportunity to play in all those championships and being in the mix year in and year out, that's what you play for as a player. And uh, Aaron has a great opportunity to have that, uh, you know, have that for his career. Bernie, again, you did have the opportunity to at least think about what it would look like if you were in another uniform. And, you know, Aaron went out to San Francisco and he visited with the Giants. Um, you went through that. I mean, you talked with the Red Sox, you talked with the Diamondbacks, I think, too, right? Buck was managing Arizona. Uh, I think they offered you number 51 before they gave it to Randy Johnson a couple of weeks later. Um, what, what were those visits like? And from that perspective, I had an agent tell me that once a player started and once a player and his family started envisioning the, just the idea of playing somewhere else. 
that's a tough thing to start walking back because you start mentally and visually putting yourself there and thinking, okay, oh, what happens if I play in Boston? What happens if I play in Arizona? What happens if I play in San Francisco? What do you remember about those visits that, you know, and the pitch that the other teams were making to you? There were, there were great offers. And uh, I mean, uh, I had a, a little bit of an even more difficult task with Diamondbacks because, uh, I mean, I grew up uh, with Buck Showalter. And he was very instrumental in making me the player that I became as a switch hitter, you know, uh, in the organization, knowing me and knowing he was almost like going from the Yankees to a place that that, you know, the person knew who I was and knew what I you know, was going to bring to the table. So that made it, you know, it, it made it a lot harder for me to make that decision, you know, uh, and especially upon I me mean, playing in Arizona. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's like, you know, it, it's like warm, you know, every, you know, the whole year around, you know, uh, it's, it's great playing conditions. You know, the organization was, you know, top notch. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I realized that uh, my allegiances, as, you know, emotionally, spiritually, I and mean, whatever you may, may want to call it, I wanted to remain a Yankee. And that was the one thing that sort of, uh, you know, led my thinking saying, okay, I want to be able to see all these opportunities but i think after i've seen everything that i've seen i, I kind of want to stay i don't think the grass is going to be greener on the other side i think i want to remain a yankee and uh i had to you know go through all the steps that i went through to uh you know for both both sides i mean the yankees have to come back and i have to come back and renew conversations and uh I, I think, you know, it worked well for both sides. You know, we had an opportunity to to be a championship caliber team uh, years after I uh, re-signed with them and I was part of that great run. So uh, it, it, it worked out great for both parts. Uh, another two-part question. One, you know, how much did your teammates play into that decision, right? Running it back with the same guys that you already won with, that you already went to battle with that you're familiar with them and their families? Because I think that's going to play into this with Judge. The Yankees went out and signed Anthony Rizzo right away, and we all know that that's like one of his good friends on the team. And there's you know a, a handful of other guys because he's only been with the Yankees. And the second question um, isn't a Judge question, but a Harrison Bader question, right? Because the Yankees made that trade to go get Harrison Bader to play center field. Judge had to play center field some this past year. He's not going to have to do that next year. Like He can stay – right there in right field, short porch, judges' chambers. So two-part question, how much did your teammates play into that? And, uh, you know, what do you think about Harrison Bader in center field for the Yankees? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, the teammates are going to play a big role, especially when, you're, have, when you have been in, a, in an organization that you have sort of grown with these guys. And you already have this rapport of being the face of the, the, face of the team. You know, it's, uh, you know, you're a leader in that team. You know, Aaron is a leader in that team. And a lot of people, a lot of the young players look up to him, you know, for that leadership. And I think he, he I, I think he, he took that role, uh, you know, almost like a captain type. You know, he was, he, he was kind of like the face of the team. He's going to uh, get he was that. always saying the right things and had a great relationship with the, with the teammates that he had. Even the people that came from other teams, you know, were able to assimilate that system, uh, in great part because of uh, Aaron's attitude and the way that he went about his business on a daily basis. So uh, I think that there, are, but that he could probably establish 
uh, his his way of playing and the, his way of going about his business on, on another team. Uh, so he's going to have teammates and they're going to look up to him and and it's going to be the whole thing repeating itself again. The fact that he has uh, you know done it with the Yankees that he already has that in place could be an important part of his decision making. Uh, and uh, as far as uh, uh, you know, Bader, it's, it's it's another thing. You know, he's a promising young player that is going to come in and take a lot of that uh, wear and tear uh, of a playing center field. Uh, you know, from from Aaron, and he, you know, he's he's a, an all star caliber, Gold Glove caliber right fielder, uh, uh, which is you know takes a lot less. Uh, you know. Uh, his defensive, although right field in Yankee Stadium, it's 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 actually pretty hard to play too. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. Paul O'Neill making a living out of uh, playing that ball off the wall, throwing somebody out in second base, and he had to work on that every single day. Uh, but I think you know his, you know his body constitution, you know the way that he's you know has been able to be durable during the course of the season. He he goes in, he goes in walls, he dives in head first. I mean. Hey, wherever he plays in the outfield, he's going to play his hardest and he's going to he's going to give it 100 percent. But the fact that he's going to be able to concentrate and be uh, uh, a right fielder and not really worry about, you know, where he's going to play, whether he's going to be center or left. I think it has to be uh, 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 something that will give him a little bit of peace of mind because he's going to know that he's going to be in one position and one position only, whether it's going to be uh DHing or playing right field, he knows where he's going to be. And that should give him a little bit more uh, peace of mind, you know, when he's make, making that decision as well. Bernie, I have just one more for you. You mentioned captain. We've talked about Don Mattingly already. Uh, this weekend, Don Mattingly has a chance to be elected to the Hall of Fame. 16-person committee, needs 12 votes. Um, listen, I, I think all of us would love to see Donnie get in, and I, I – I don't even want to ask you if you think he should be in or not. That's not even important. I would love to hear your favorite Don Mattingly story. You spent a few years with him in your formative years in the clubhouse playing with him. You still call him Cap every time you see him. Um, what's your What's your favorite Don Mattingly story? Well, I, it's it's kind of hard because I, I think that uh, there is like a like the some of the parts uh, watching him. Uh, struggle later in his career with his back and being able to uh, play the game that he played, that series that he played, the last series that he played in Toronto, knowing that he was as hurt as he was because I saw him, I saw him every day in, in the training room, you know, and playing the way that he played. I mean, that was inspirational. That was, you know, the kind of stuff that you, that cements your legacy as one of the badass dudes, man. <laughs> uh, and you, you know, you, you kind of model your career after a person like that. But even, even that, you know, because that's the way that he approached the game on a daily basis. And that, that was a given, you know, he told me so many nuggets of, of, of great advice, you know, through the years, you know, going from, I don't care what you do the night before, but you just come here ready to play every day, you know, you know, from that to really, uh, taking me under his wing and protecting me as a young player because the, the attitude and the culture that was on the team in the early 90s was one culture that was not that was not uh, good for young players. <laughs> it was not good, you know, I have to say it. You know, we had a lot of veterans that were, you know, going after, you know, numbers and there was not a lot of cohesiveness in the clubhouse. 
and he was doing the best that he could to try to keep that team together. But uh, uh, as a young player coming in, you know, with the likes of uh, Mel Hall and, and all of, you know, all those guys that were like really old school, uh, I kid in tough love because I care. He was the one guy that said, hey, lay off that rookie. And then he was the one that took me in, you know, one day on a, a bus ride, you know, from Milwaukee, you know, from uh, County Stadium to the hotel and say to me, hey, don't let these guys, you know, take your game away from you. You're here for a reason. And these are the things that you need to do to be able to get to the next level. And I have a, a plenty of confidence in you. You're a great player. You've got great raw ability. But you need, you need to concentrate on these certain things, you know, being here on time, you know, working hard every day, you know, not taking everything for granted, all of those things that he told me, you know. And then I had a great opportunity. The last year that he was there, we were in a plane ride uh, uh, back to New York after we got eliminated in, in Seattle. And he said, hey, this is the first year that you've hit 300. And I have a feeling that it's not going to be the last year that you hit 300. This is just the way you roll. And uh, between him and, and Willie Randolph, man, they were just so instrumental in my, you know, just keeping me in line, making sure that I took care of business on the field, and then everything else would fall into place. But uh, Don Manley, his, his whole career to me was an example and uh, on how to be a Yankee, how to be a Major League Baseball player, and how to be a winner, you know, uh, and uh, it, it, I have nothing but great things to say about him. Keith, anything else you think we should uh, let Bernie roll? No, that's great. The only thing I was going to add, you know, with, with Donnie Baseball, he just did an interview on MLB Network where he said he thought he was going to be out of baseball this year, right? He's done with the Marlins, and Yankees fans were saying, hey, bring him up here. The Toronto Blue Jays beat him to it, I guess, and they offered him a bench coach job, so now the Yankees will be facing him. He'll be in Toronto. I, I didn't think he wanted to live in New York after being in Miami, but he's down <laughs> to go live in Canada, so... Uh, I wish him the best, and thank you so much, Bernie. The last thing I wanted to add, uh, one of the highlights of my year was you reaching out, you know, coming on WFAN and then inviting me to play in your softball game. I thought I was going to be terrible. I hit a home run. My oh, wife got it on great. video, and we won the game, and it was just a blast. Uh, you signed my jersey. You have, you have youth on your side, man. You have youth on your <laughs> side. <laughs> yeah, for now. You're a young snapper, man. And uh, oh, I'll, I'll be back he, next year he, if you he, invite he, me back. Old, he'll dump you just like every other GM does, right? <laughs> man. I got like five more years to play. <laughs> Dude, man, you're great, man. You got open invitation every time you want to come, man. We really enjoy you, you have, having you there. And, uh, you know, all you bring to, to you know, all you brought to the team and all you bring to, to New York now uh, in, in this great endeavor. So thank you so much for keeping all these fines in the know uh, and getting them to talk, you know, about, you know, the things that we care about. So, you know, you guys are doing a great job, man. Keep it up. Bernie, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you've always been one of my favorites to be around. You're always thoughtful when we ask you questions and people who just listen to you speak about this. Uh, just get an example of what I was able to, you know, just absorb from you in the clubhouse. Uh, in good times and bad, you always had something thoughtful to say. So I always appreciated that from you. And I want to thank you for that up, uh, up front with you. Um, people can go to tune into lung health. Dot com, and you'll see Bernie's latest endeavor. Uh, 
IPF is idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, it's a lung disease that took Bernie's father back in 2001. And uh, raising awareness has just been part of Bernie's mission for these last several years uh, through music and through talking about baseball and everything else. Uh, listen, the only other thing, you have another album in the works anytime soon? What are you, what are you thinking here? I'm working on some music, you know, trying to get this uh, knee situation out of the way. Yeah. But um, it, the good thing about it is that it's giving me an opportunity to play a lot of guitar. So sure, I, am, I am putting some music together and uh, an album is on the works and it's uh, hopefully coming soon. I can't wait. We can't wait. And uh, we'll be there. Uh, yeah, we have this great. Uh, even when I was playing, we, we always talk about musicians, you know, always talk yeah. about music outside of what we needed to talk, you know, as far as baseball. But uh, we always have that great rapport, man. And I really appreciated you. And I appreciate your support, you know, all, all these years, man. And you and your family have been just great. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. We'll be there the next time. Tell us where and when, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll see you. And I'm sure we'll see you on a, on a softball field later this summer when that knee finishes uh, rehab. And uh, you'll be flying past all of us. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so much, bro. Bernie, thanks a lot. Thanks, Bern. All right. Bernie Williams, always great to hear from him. Just tying up a couple of loose ends on that, Keith. Um, you know, listen, he I think he shed so many, uh, so much light and interesting points on the process of free agency and what it involves. I mean, all we do is talk about how much money is it going to take to sign Aaron Judge. And listen, truth, truthfully, in the end, that's probably what it comes down to. But there are a lot of other things involved, and and Bernie dealt with it. So I thought it was important to have him share that with us. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take some of that into my radio show tonight. You know, thinking about Bernie as a free agent, Robinson Cano as a free agent, Judge as a free agent. All of their stories are different. All of their families and circumstances are different. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm confident that Judge resigns because I just think that as long as the Yankees do right by him with their offer – there's no reason for him to up and leave. It's all right here for him. And yeah. I think it's just a matter of like, if the, if the Yankees come up 20, 30 million short of an offer that the giants put out there, then of course he's going to take that, but he's going to be rich anyway. Like it's going to be yeah. over 300 million and that's more money than any of us could spend. I just think there's more on the Yankee side with him becoming captain with this team being ready to win. And, um, his Yankee leg legacy, right? You know, when you see Bernie coming back for old timers day or, or playing the national anthem before the game or doing his speaking arrangements for season ticket holders, that type of stuff, like that's in judge's future after his playing career. And yeah. I know he's got to think about that type of stuff. The biggest pull for him to go to San Francisco is to go home. Well, you, you made a home in New York and I think your wife is comfortable here. I know his parents are comfortable here. I've seen them in the Delta suite at least 15 times during the season. So uh, I, I think as long as the Yankees do right by him with that offer, he stays and he becomes captain. And uh, we, you know, put all focus on trying to win a World Series with Aaron Judge in this next eight, nine years, whatever it is. I think the other thing that, that Bernie mentioned that, you know, is important is, you know, the opportunity to win. And you're going to be chasing that championship to really cement your legacy. Um, the And we've talked plenty uh, about the shortcomings the Yankees have had in not being able to get over the hump and get to the World Series and win a World Series. However, getting to the playoffs is something Aaron Judge has experienced every year since 2017. It gives you a chance. And as Bernie said, 
the best chance to get in. Do you realize that over the course of the last, you know, just say in the division wildcard era, the San Francisco Giants have been in the playoffs in back-to-back years, just twice, Keith, two in a row, only once in the last 50, in my lifetime, they've been to the playoffs back-to-back years only once. Even the years when they were winning the World Series, 2010, 2012, 2014, missed the playoffs in between. The Yankees have been in the playoffs every year of his, every full year of his career. It should count for something. It does. It definitely does. And they're spotty, right? You just mentioned 10, 12, 14, and them missing in between. They won 100 games last year, then they missed the postseason this year. And I don't know. Like, what are they going to do to help judge? You know, what are they going to do to put talent around judge? The Yankees already have the talent. They have talent coming up. And I think if they get judge signed in this next week, they go and add more as well. So it's coming up. I'm excited for winter meetings. I'm excited for this deal to happen because we we do know judge is the big fish. That chip has to fall for the rest of the free agents to, you know, go where they're going to sign. And it's it's happening soon, in my opinion. I think it's a two-team race, but I'm confident that it's the Yankees' race to lose, and they're going to do right by him. They're going to put the offer out there that that wins Aaron Judge and wins Aaron Judge sweepstakes, and it's not going to be much longer of a wait. I think it happens in the next week, maybe two at the most. I think that's all the signals that the judges sent out too, is that around winter meetings is about the time that he would have a decision made. And we'll see what, you know, and after that, I I think the pitching market is going to get really interesting and we don't have to die deep dive into this this time. I think there's going to be plenty of movement where we can talk about it more, but I I still believe the Yankees have to address the top of the rotation, not the back of the rotation and put themselves in the best position possible to win next year. It's Carlos Rodon for me. I don't want Jacob deGrom. I don't want Justin Verlander. I think Rodon having his best season uh, of his career, adding that lefty into our rotation. I think he's the guy. Uh, I, I can't call it, though. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's fun, right? This is why baseball is all year round, right? There is no trade deadline or not trade deadline. There is no free agent signing deadline. This stuff is all about to happen. And the winter meetings, we know that over the years, big free agents have signed then. So we're hoping that it's judge and then things really ramp up and start getting going this winter. And I think, you know, depending on how heavy the activity is, the winter meetings we will drop in a show some point during the week next week. Uh, the meetings are in San Diego. Our next scheduled show is a week uh, is in a week with special guest Jose Trevino already spe- scheduled to join us. Uh, the Yankee catcher who had a phenomenal season will be joining us from his home in Texas and uh, we'll get us some, some fun stuff with him. And hopefully we talk to him about judge and maybe a new pitcher or two joining the staff that he'll be able to work with uh, and definitely come back because as events warrant during the winter meetings, we will be jumping back in here as well. Uh, it's BXB Bronx baseball from Odyssey from WFAN. You can catch us on all your favorite platforms. Make sure you subscribe, review, all that jazz. Uh, it's all for free. And uh, go back and check out some of our past episodes, too. All right, thanks to Bernie Williams. And make sure you check out TuneIntoLungHealth.com to find out everything that Bernie is uh, up to nowadays. And best of luck to him on his uh, knee surgery rehab. Keith, welcome back to the States, my man. And we will get to do this again real soon.